the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Kind of cloudy the balance of the afternoon. Maybe you get a thunder shower or two rumbling through. Then kind of clearing out. Maybe get a sunny break again. 93 the high today. Down to 70 tonight with some clouds. Tomorrow starting off on the cloudy side. May have some sun with a shower, thunder shower to a possible later in the day. Tomorrow's high 90. Phillies 8-4 over Tampa Bay last night. They keep on winning those road games. Phillies manager Rob Thompson on what he saw. Well, last night we got great pitching. Tonight we got really good hitting some clutch hitting. Stoddard had a big night. JT had a big night. Uh, the Marsh base hit uh, to get us up four was huge. Castellanos home run. I mean, up and down the lineup. We saw the bats really well. Phillies manager Rob Thompson, sound courtesy of NBC Sports Phillies YouTube page. Part of that great offense Thompson referred to, Nick Castellanos' 13th home run on the year, Trey Turner's ninth on the year, and Bryson Stott with four hits. The two teams play again tonight at 640. Earlier this week, the Flyers signed defenseman Mark Stahl to a one-year, $1.1 million contract. Stahl's 36, but was one of only six Florida Panthers this past year to play in all 82 regular season games and all 21 postseason games for the team. Danny Breer, the Flyers' general manager, talking about the somewhat surprise of being able to sign Stahl. When Torts found out that Mark Stahl was uh, was interested in coming in, he was on board uh, right from the get-go. Uh, to be honest, it's not a name that we had discussed because we, we didn't think that was a possibility. You know, with how well he had played in, down the stretch and into the playoffs in Florida, we, we kind of assumed that he would go back there or probably want to go to uh, a contender to make another cup run uh, right at the moment. So um, we hadn't discussed too much, uh, but everybody was on board when we found out there was, there was interest on his part. Flyers general manager Danny Briere on the signing of defenseman Mark Stahl earlier this week. That's on courtesy of NHL.com. The beginning of that cut, Briere references Torts, as in current Flyers head coach John Tortorella. Stahl actually played five seasons under Tortorella from 2008 to 2013, so he'll certainly fit in nicely with the team. Stahl's a former first-round pick, 12th overall, and has played in 128 Stanley Cup playoff games. Very seasoned veteran. Uh, should the season not go quite how the Flyers hope, they're openly admitting this is a rebuilding phase, and it's possible that when the playoffs roll around, the Flyers won't be in them. If so, at that point, Pierre had this to say about Stahl remaining with the team or not. Yeah, there's no, there's no, no trade in in the contract. But I told Mark that he's he's earned the rights um, to to decide what he wants to do, just like 
come in here and we we will treat him the way he needs to be treated he's now i have too much respect for him if if there's something there if he feels that he has enough in in the tank and we're not making the playoffs and he would like to go somewhere else to make another cup run we will try to accommodate him if he wants to stay here no matter where we're at we're also going to accommodate him so um, i think he's earned that right to to decide so I, i will follow his lead on on that Flyers general manager Danny Briere, again, sound courtesy of NHL.com. For his career, Mark Stahls played in 1,101 NHL games over 16 seasons, most of them with the Rangers, but also with Detroit and Florida, with whom he helped make a run of the Stanley Cup championship this past season, ultimately falling four games to one to the Vegas Golden Knights. A couple of very special guests joining us today on the Tim DeMoss Show, but before we get to that, a quick note that the God is Love Takeover 12-city tour touches down at City Hall tomorrow at 5 o'clock. It's a call to action for people to come together and embrace the message of God's love and that they are loved by Him. It's a reminder that God's love is the most powerful force on earth and it has the power to transform lives one soul at a time. Uh, Today, the event actually kicked off with a recovery community outreach in partnership with BC International Ministries in Kensington. And tomorrow at 4.30, there's going to be a love walk starting at Sister Cities Park 18th and Benjamin Franklin Parkway in Philly. And then at 5 o'clock, the God is Love Takeover event will showcase powerful testimonies, prayers, and music of praise from people across the nation gathering in Philadelphia in City Hall to display love, peace, and unity for all. That's at 1400 JFK Boulevard tomorrow at 5. Grab more info on that at lovedbygodnation.com. Coming up on the show today, Arthur Smith, who you'll know from a lot of different places. He has worked on uh, hundreds of TV shows over the years, uh, also in multiple formats, including sports. But uh, the main thing you'll probably know him from is the show Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, also American Ninja Warrior and Trading Spaces. He has a book out called Reach, Hard Lessons and Learned Truths from a Lifetime in Television. Excited to have him on because he also has a connection to WFIL, which we'll discuss also very excited to have Dr. Michael Youssef on the program today from Leading the Way, which you can catch weeknights at 5.30 on WFIL, also 3 a.m. and several times over the weekend. Leading the Way is WFIL's Ministry of the Month. In addition to spotlighting the ministry, we're giving away prizes all month long, including Dr. Youssef's latest book, Hope for This Present Darkness. We'll talk with Dr. Youssef about that book. There are weekly winners we're making as well. You can enter to win all month long right on our homepage at WFIL.com. All that's coming up. You're listening to The Tim DeMar Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMar Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Joined on the program today by Arthur Smith. His groundbreaking hit, Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, forged the modern food competition reality genre. While his Emmy-nominated American Ninja Warrior series has spawned a cultural movement with ninja-inspired gyms in every major city, You may know him from the show Trading Spaces or any number of other projects. He also has a connection to WFIL, which we'll get into. His book that we're talking about today, Reach, Hard Lessons and Learned Truths from a Lifetime in Television. Hey, Arthur, how you doing? Hey, Sam, how are you? Wonderful. Thanks for taking a little time to chat today. Congratulations on Reach. Thank you. My pleasure, Tim. Yeah, you know, it jumped off the page of me, uh, you know, going through your history, among other things, Dick Clark with the history 
with our radio station, WFIL in Philadelphia, including on air work. And he was, uh, in fact, he got to start here in May of 1952, over 70 years ago. And I know he was a big part of kind of along your journey. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about his role and what you learned from him, both as a person and the work that you did. Well, Dick is probably the most important mentor of my life. I've had a few, and uh, Dick is probably number one on the list. Mm. Uh, he got me my green card and moved me to the United States. I was born in Canada, and uh, and I learned a lot from him. A lot of the way my, my company, my production company that's been around for 23 years, I learned from Dick how to run a company. And I was, you know, uh, enamored with the entertainment business. I started off as a sports producer. I worked at the CBC in Canada and got an early start and uh, started producing directing when I was really young. It's a long story. It's covered in the book. It's all about the power of reach. But somehow I was producing and directing when I was 22. And then I did the Olympics in Los Angeles when I was 24. And I said, someday I'm going to be back here. I didn't know how or what, or, but I knew I, I loved L.A. And I, and I knew I wanted to do other things besides sports. Years later, I became president of the sports division. I was 28, and I decided that I've had this great run in sports, but my even though I love sports, my first love is television. And so believing in the power of reach and extending yourself, I wrote this long letter to Dick Clark, and, and I talked about my life and what I wanted to do and talked about his career, and I only wrote one letter. I only wrote this one letter. I believe when you narrow the targets, you sometimes you have a better chance of hitting it. Right. And he wrote me back. He wrote me back and uh, wow. I flew to LA, had a two hour meeting with Dick Clark. And he said to me, I have no idea what to do with you, but, <laughs> I, but I really like you. And he called me the next morning and he said, in that great voice, hi, there's Dick Clark. And then three weeks later, he called me and offered me a job and, and I had an amazing time with him. But even after I left his company and I went to, on to be a senior executive at Universal and then I ran Fox Sportsnet for four years and, and then eventually started my company, we stayed close the entire time. We were friends forever. And Dick was a letter writer, so I'd get these great letters. I saw your show last night and check in with his family and then he'd check in with mine. And, and um, it was, you know, he's a fantastic human being and, and, and you know, such a incredible pioneer. And I mean, who better to have as a mentor than Dick Clark? Absolutely. I'm thinking also you could, I would say feel intimidated, but it sounds like he also certainly let you, and not that you had to be let, but let you be you. So you could be your own person and not just try to be you know, a Dick Clark 2.0 or something. You know, it was part of his chart. He was disarming. You know, he was like, you meet him for the first time and you, you know, you felt comfortable. He was warm and that, you know, by the way, that's, Part of the magic which made him so great on air, it was that he was so natural. He was so sincere. It was never put on. Mm. And, um, you know, I was, I, that's the thing that struck me first with Dick. The first time I met him, he was just, he was just so cool, and so <laughs> easygoing and, and so, so comfortable in his own skin. Right. Mm. And, uh, so, so it was, it was not hard talking to him and, and uh, he did let me be me. And, uh, you know, it's funny when I, there was a time, and this isn't covered in the book, but there was a time before I left to go to Universal that I went to Dick and I had an offer from Spelling, Aaron Spelling's company to go work over there. And I went to Dick and he goes, you're not ready to go yet. You're not ready to go yet. So whatever they're doing, I'll match whatever they're doing. And I said, you know what? You're right. I'm going to stay here. And then when I got my offer from the Universal, which is a long story I had, about me going to Universal, I went to him and he goes, listen, I knew I couldn't keep you. He says, but we're going to be friends forever. And he says, good luck. And, and he meant it. And he meant it. And, you know, after I left, I found ways to work with him. We found, uh, um, you know, some opportunities to collaborate on things. And it was so great. It was so amazing. You know, I, I love him. I love, you know, I love the man. So, you know, I learned a lot. 
Chatting with Arthur Smith, author of the new book, Reach, Hard Lessons and Learn Truths from a Lifetime in Television. As you're talking there, I'm thinking uh, part of dreaming and thinking about doing the next thing, and in your case, launching A. Smith and Company Productions, there could be, and I like to extrapolate, like people listening, thinking about their own lives, you could have maybe, quote unquote, played it safe and, and found a very good life, continuing to kind of work you know, alongside him. Right. And, but what, what, how did you feel? And what actually wound up saying, you know, I'm going to go do my own thing uh, eventually. And, and then, and was that scary for you or was it like, no, I really need to do this. You know, whatever job I'm in, I'm really only thinking about the job until a certain point where I go, you know, I'm a little restless. But when I start the job, when I moved to LA to work for Dick Clark, I said, that's it. This is what I'm going to be doing. This is going to be the next 20 years of my life. But what often happens to me is that, I'm a restless person by nature, and I love television so much, and I love the genre so much that I want to do everything. And, you know, starting my own company, which is the longest job I've ever had, 23 years, is because within it, you know, I have a big playground. And, you know, when I was in sports, I wanted to work in entertainment. When I was in entertainment, I missed working in sports. (laughs) Years after I worked, you know, I was working at Dick Clark, I ended up back in sports at Fox Sports. When I moved to L.A., I never thought I would work in sports again. I was convinced that I was going to go down this route. But when I met with Fox Sports, and at the time they just had the rights to football, I said, uh, you know, you guys do football and you do it extremely well. What do you need me for? And they said, well, we need a head of programming, production, and news, and we're about to get really big. And I, and, and, uh, I said, oh, well, that's a good challenge. And I said, you know, that's, that sounds, uh, are you offering me the job? And they said, no, not yet. We're still interviewing you. But eventually they did. And, uh, and that was, you know, that was the greatest job. But I knew after, after Fox Sports, after launching 22 sports networks and, and having my second tour of duty in sports, I knew that I was going to set up my company. And it was a big gamble. It's the biggest reach of my life because I had this great job at Fox Sports and a long-term contract. And I left to start a company with no income. And I had two young daughters and, and I, you know, I have the most understanding wife. And, and I said, this is what I want to do. And I said, I think I can make a living, but I probably won't make as much money as I did working for Fox Sports. And she said, just go for it. This, this is what you're destined to do. And I said, well, I said, we may have to struggle. And, you know, thankfully things happened very quickly. And I ended up doing, you know, a lot better than I did it at Fox Sports with my own company. I didn't make the move for the money. And by the way, I didn't write this book for the money either. All the money from the book is going to a charity that I set up, uh, or a foundation that I set up called the Reach Foundation, which gives money to charities, a number of charities who lift people up in some way. Uh, This book, for me, is, you know, the beginning of a chapter in my life where I hope to, you know, do more, to pay it forward, because I've been so fortunate. And, you know, the messages in this book, and yes, there are stories about Dick Clark and Gordon Rand and Dwayne Johnson and Magic Johnson and, and Little Richard and Simon Cowell, Rupert Murdoch, Paul Allen, a ton of people are in the book and there's stories about them. Never before stories that I've never told before in this book. But, you know, the, the messaging is what I hope inspires me. Is that because I believe when you reach, you find out what you're capable of. You know, when you reach, you realize the difference between a pipe dream and what you haven't dared to try just yet. Yeah. The more you try, the luckier you the more you try, the luckier you get. That's what I tell my tell my kids. So and what I tell people when I lecture and so it doesn't always work out. You know, there's no guarantees. But certainly when you're reaching, you just can't say, Oh, I want this and make it happen, but at least you put yourself on a path. And I believe that that's the start. Yeah. So, 
anyhow, I hope it listen. I hope it entertains people, and and I really hope it inspires people. And it, it was it was you know a fun journey for me to write it, and and I appreciate you giving me the time today. Thank you. Absolutely, I was thinking one of the names also in the book Wayne Gretzky, and there are a couple of thoughts about Wayne Gretzky. One is, I guess, was was he the one that said you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take, or was that I forget who said that? But also he he talked about why he was so successful was he was thinking where the play was going to go, not where it was. And I was yeah. thinking when it comes to dreaming and vision where you're not just uh, trying to build on what's right in front of you, but you have to think, wait, let's stop and look five years from now, 10 years now, where is this all going? And then get get ahead of things. So it's part of the dreaming you talk about and planning and the lessons you have to learn. That, you know what? That's such a good point. And it's so valid and so true. And, you know, if you can visualize it, that's the start. That's the start of every dream. You have to visualize. I envisioned myself working at Dick Clark. I envisioned myself working at CBC long before I started working there. And it, it gets you in the mode. It gets you prepared. And the great thing about it is if you can visualize it, when you actually get there, you kind of feel comfortable because you saw it in your head. Now, sometimes the vision is not exactly the same <laughs> as what happens. Yeah, but but I but, but I believe that's the start. It's such, such a good point, you know. That's great. Very, yeah. Well, con- <laughs> congratulations on reach hard lessons and learn truths from a lifetime of television. Is there a best place for folks to pick it up or widespread, easily found and, and to keep up with you as well? The book is available uh, wherever books are sold. So, okay. um, yeah, and it's, it's out now. OK. And as far as you to keeping up with you, is there is there a place, a personal website or anything that you engage people with or even about the book? I'm not sure if there's some people have that kind of back and forth about the works that they do or whatever. Yeah, if the people can uh, Instagram me on Arthur Smith Eleven or Reach by Arthur Smith. Okay, um, those are my two Instagram handles, and I love people, so I don't mind taking messages and things like that. You know, um, so okay. I'd be happy if people reached out. There's that word again; it's such a good word. <laughs> it is. Love it. Thank you so much, Arthur. Have a great day. God bless you. Take care. Thank you, Tim. Arthur Smith on the Tim DeMoss Show, known for the TV smash Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, American Ninja Warrior, Trading Spaces, and many other projects, and now the book Reach, Hard Lessons, and Learn Truths from a Lifetime in Television. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560, WFIL? Email Timmy D at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. Very glad to bring on board Dr. Michael Youssef. How's it going today? Wonderful, Tim. So good to be back with you. I always love being with you because we have history with uh, your dad and your family. Yeah. And I just love being with you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a real privilege. I was talking with our office manager about the program because I know Leading the Way has been on WFIL for many years. And it's like, can you tell me, like, when did Leading the Way first air and, like, what was the path for it? And she looked, dug through the records. She said, Leading the Way first appeared on WFIL May of 2001, Sunday mornings only, 9 a.m., just once a week week oh yeah and then november of 2002 about a year and a half later it became a full-blown program and uh and it, it changed times it was originally 9 30 a.m but it has been in its current 5 30 p.m slot for close to 20 years so uh, well, i knew it was uh, close to 20 years if not more yeah, yeah. that's wonderful so we're so glad that you're on every weekday afternoon and I, I know i think we've chatted about this before but folks haven't heard it could you give a quick little path to 
the church founding, the apostles, sure. and then and the radio ministry that came out of that? Absolutely. We are, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed of God to have ministered in all the continents uh, through another ministry for many years in the 70s. And then in the late 70s, um, who came to Atlanta to head up that ministry. And then in, the, in 88, 87, the Lord laid it on my heart to start the small church here. So we did. Called a few friends and said, hey, we're going to have a church service. This was 36 years ago, last Mother's Day. Wow. And as they said, the rest is history. So uh, we have several members of the church who kept saying, you need to be on radio. And I said, no, I don't have time for this. <laughs> but uh, actually one of them, literally tricked me into doing it so we did it <laughs> and we've been now 35 years on radio and 23 years on television so god just led every step of the way i didn't seek this i didn't want this i was just happy to to be a pastor of a local church and i still am <laughs> so, Amen. Uh, but god is the one who really wanted to take us uh, to all these doors that he just opened and and i would kind of hesitate and I said lord is that you if it's not you i don't want to walk through these doors and now we are in 220 million homes in the arab world with a television station that we started launched in 2009 uh, and called Kingdom Sats in Arabic, uh, 24-7 television satellite station. Uh, God has blessed it with millions and millions of viewers and many thousands coming to Christ. So all of that is His. And I don't see this as false humility or trying to be humble. <laughs> yeah. I'm really being truthful. It's just that God literally opened those doors and He pushed me through them. <laughs> and uh, as I go in there, I said, oh, that's what you had in mind. Okay, whatever you want me to do, I'm yours. Amen. Amen. Have you found the experience of being and then in these platforms, including radio, that's opened up other doors as far as, you know, what you're able to do, obviously for the gospel, the, the more platforms, I'm sure that that helps. Sure. But, but just any other dimension of that, those opportunities? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the radio, I mean, here's, here's just one little tidbit. It was radio that ended me on television. Hmm. Uh a person that you would know, because I think your sister used to live out here. Yeah. At, at, in Chattanooga, First Presbyterian Church, uh, Ben Hayden. Yeah. A wonderful pastor and a wonderful preacher. He was on television, a pioneer in many years. And he would listen to me on Moody Radio in Chattanooga. And every time he listens to me, he says he hears the Lord audibly. It's a, quite a statement for a Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hear, hear the Lord audibly says, give this man your television ministry, because he had retired at that point with health of his wife and so forth. And uh, so after two and a half years, he walks into my office unannounced. He said, okay, I give up. Every time I listen to you on radio, God said to give you my television ministry. So everything that came on television, including the Kingdom Sat uh, satellite around the, uh, the world, is because of radio. Basically started with Ben Hayden listening to me on radio. Wow. So I really love radio, and I love the, all of our listeners uh, write to me on a regular basis and, and uh, support us and the partners in ministry and how much that ministry has blessed them. And, and we are just so privileged and honored to be partners together with you, Tim. Amen. You know, I was thinking about, uh, as far as you just saying listeners writing, I do encourage listeners to take time and do that because uh, I can't remember if it was, I think it's Galatians 6.6. 6. I was just reading it the other day where it talks about you must share 
good things with your instructor. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Galatians or Ephesians. I've been reading through several parts of the New Testament, and uh, I can't remember if it's Galatians 6, 6, but I thought, there's a scripture right to back it up. I've heard it before, but to see it in a concise way, because yes. I know you're not doing it for that, but at the same time, when people take a moment to write, that's got to give you a little extra something to keep going. Absolutely. And I think people will be surprised to know because a lot a lot of folks think, oh, well, you've got all these athletes and all these people, but I read every letter I get. Wow. <laughs> you know, I think God expands our time uh, to help us accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. And because I consider my listeners and viewers a very important, I don't have a team of people who just read through They will, If it's addressed to me, I read it. Folks just tuning in, Dr. Michael Youssef, kind enough to spend a little time with us today, leading the way every weekday afternoon at 5.30 on WFIL. It's WFIL's Ministry of the Month for July. And uh, the book we're giving away this month, your latest one, Hope for This Present Crisis, The Seven-Step Path to Restoring a World Gone Mad. And uh, it's well-written, and it also has a great conclusion because it kind of wraps up the whole book in a neat, tight way. Uh, but share a bit about, about you know, what led you to write this in the first place and what your hopes for it are. Well, well you know, do you believe my, my 15-year-old grandson said to me, said, Papa, the world is going crazy. I thought that was really interesting from a young perspective, yeah. a young man who loves the Lord, and, and he just said, the world is going crazy. And he's exactly right. The world is going crazy. And yet in his short life, but just think of our age and, you know, that we lived a little longer and been around and we saw the world somewhat sane. Now they've lost all sanity. And, and all the stuff that's going on, just a, a local church half a mile from us has a children program uh, last Sunday night with drag queens leading the service, the, the singing and, and the preaching. I mean, just think about this. this. This would have been insanity not long ago. It's insanity now. And this is going on across the board. And so I wrote this book to show the roots of departure from biblical truth. And that's what got us in this trouble. And that is why each I go through them. Education, even the church, because that's a very important component. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 the whole social movement and and so forth. So these are the areas in which our world is going nuts. And what's the answer? What's the word? What does the word of God say? And so I present solutions to all the problems that uh, we are seeing today. Yeah, the chapter is simply put: remember the truth, restore the soul, also revitalize the family, reestablish the classroom, respect our freedoms, reform our society, and revive the church. Uh, early on in the um, introduction, you talk about the crisis is the decline of the influence of the Christian church, a decline of faith, truth, and morality. It is a hollowing out of our society from within. And some Muslim leaders you'd spoken with, how America will actually hand itself over, so to speak, rather than being taken by force because of where our values are, but that decline's not inevitable, which is a really important message through this book, that there is hope. It is not a hopeless situation. Oh, and when you think about times in the past, and it happened twice in America, where morality has gone down into the gutter and things really got so bad, the first one, of course, when God raised Jonathan Edwards and, and it became uh, the first great awakening. And then in 1857, it was a time, it was, so dep- it was so bad, the depression was worse than the 1920s. 
and there was run on the banks and things were really bad and then Jeremiah Lamphy a businessman a, a layman and that wasn't a preacher he just started a prayer meeting and soon swept across the nation and brought us a second great awakening and so there is hope unless the Lord returns which we all of course would love to see but if he is not this is not his time yet then we need to be praying for an awakening that God will give us a third great awakening and that he would transform all this craziness and madness that has really taken place to repentance, tears of repentance, which often happens with a great awakening. And people will repent of their sins and come to God. That's what we want to see. We don't want to destroy our enemies. We want them to repent and come to the Lord and believe in Him and share with us in the eternal joy of knowing the Savior and be with Him for all of eternity. So that's really the longing of my heart at 75. And I am, as as a friend of mine says, pedal to the metal, he said, because I said, look, I said, let me tell you why. I am now able to see the finishing line. So I'm sprinting. I'm not, this is a marathon, but I've been, I've been taking time. Now it's a sprinting time hmm. because whatever years he's got for me, left for me, I want to be absolutely making everything possible, doing everything possible to see that men and women come to Christ and believe in him so that I can take a million souls with me when I go to heaven. Amen. Amen. If you're just tuning in, chat with Dr. Michael Youssef from Leading the Way, which you can find which. Uh, weekday afternoons at 5.30 on WFIL, uh, also a 3 a.m. Uh, airing, uh, and also one time on the weekend, ltw.org, by the way, for the ministry. And, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, uh, I was mentioning before we started our conversation that my dad went to be with the Lord in March, and yeah. he got, like, it got clearer and clearer to him. Uh, and it was, it was something he was, I noticed, like, I want to I want to go to be with the Lord the way he did, which was he was anticipating it. He wasn't scrambling at the last minute or last month to try and put himself together and get ready for what's going to happen. I mean, it it was, but, but, and I matched that with what's on the leading the way site, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth. Where does that passion come from for you? And as you, as you mentioned, are 75 and continuing to serve, is it getting stronger? That sense of this is real. Cause what he said to me was, all these things came to me after he passed. One of them was a simple saying of only one life will soon be passed. Only yep. what's done for Christ will last. My uh, dad yep. encouraged people till the day he died almost with emails and texts. And, but now he doesn't have any more texts or emails to send. And he's done yep. everything he can do here. And, you know, having known him for 40 years, I can testify hmm. to what you're saying as his son. Uh, we've been friends for 40 years, and amazing, uh, we met, now maybe longer than 40 years, uh, it was very early 80s, and we became great friends, and we always talk about evangelism, and the lost, and, mm-hmm. and the effort in, in different areas, we, we both involved, and, and we always talked about heaven, I mean, it's just, this is something that is so important for believers while they keep their eyes on heaven they work it's like jesus said occupy till i come and that means you got to work until he comes not put on white robes and head for the mountains but literally work everywhere i can't wait to wake up in the morning so i can be working one more day to serve the lord while my eye is on heaven and while my eye is on the destination but because I live for that audience of one, everything I'm doing here in this life, as just as your dear dad did, 
it was all with the eternity in mind and so that's that's just the, the joy that i have in 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 serving the lord at this time i was in england uh, last october in a, a interview i was the press was interviewing me and we had a big function there at westminster and she said, well, people your age are already putting their feet up and playing <laughs> golf. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I would go out of my mind. But I am so grateful the Lord has given me the energy, has given me the resources, has given me the mind that still I have. Yeah. So I want to serve him, uh, and I want to be running to, to the arms of Jesus. I quote that because uh, I know one conversation a, a year or two ago, you talked about how many rounds of golf could I shoot anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do reference that and just in conversation all the time because what better thing could I do, I guess is what you had said then and now, than to serve the Lord today and, and hopefully help bring the kingdom of God even more more quickly, you know, so to speak, sharing with others and, and encouraging them yeah. to know him. So yeah. that's great. One of the things I was thinking about through the book, and you mentioned an audience of one. Yep. Very common in the book. You talk about perhaps one reason in the book. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the new one we're giving away this month is leading the way as our ministry of the month for July. Hope for this present crisis, the seven-step path for restoring a world gone mad. One reason that the world has gone mad, perhaps subtly, is the desire for affirmation to be liked, yep. to be popular. Yep. Yeah. None of which you, you are worried about, although you have a great story about a mega church pastor that you don't name early yeah. in your ministry saying after he watched a sermon, hey, uh, take this the right way. Your sermons yeah. have to have more happiness in them or you won't grow. <laughs> right. yeah. He actually, for some uh, strange reason, he was here in the church. And afterward, he was talking to me and he said, uh, this is in the early days. The yeah. church was growing but not where it is today. But he said, if you want to have a big church, you got to start changing this message and you got to get, you know, be happy. And, and I said, how are we to get people happy all the way to hell? Yeah. And he said, he said, but be positive and, and, and you don't need to preach on hell. You don't need to preach. I said, okay, I thought about it uh, only about 10 minutes. <laughs> and the Lord says, well, do you want to tickle the ears of non-believers or do you want to hear well good, well done good and faithful servants I said Lord hands down I want to hear well done good and faithful servant mm-hmm. and so that, that day was a, a very uh, significant day for me because I made the decision right then that I'm going to not only continue but I'm going to get stronger and I'm going to move upward and onward and never compromise or water down the gospel or take the sharp edges of the gospel off so that people can like me. And, you know, if they like me, that's got fine. If they don't, uh, that's even better. Woe unto you if the word speaks well of you. <laughs> so I don't yeah. want the world to speak well of me. Yeah, Re- Restore the Soul, Chapter 2, where people will find that story. When I, I actually started getting hungry reading Chapter 2 because there's a lot of talk about pizza and bologna sandwiches at the beginning. Uh, but that, <laughs> that's in conjunction why progressive with progressive Christianity, which is deceiving because it uses the word progress and who would be against progress, right? That's exactly part of the whole mindset. Has that been, has it ever been hard? I mean, maybe it sounds like it has not been. Maybe the better question is, have you found that as your light, your single minded audience of one, that instead of being afraid of what people are going to think, you know, you love him so much and what he has for them is so good that that stuff doesn't matter to you. 
Exactly. And you know, it, it's, it, the amazing part is a mutual friend of your dad and myself, a guy named John Haggai, who went to, to be with the Lord, he used to say to me, you're the exception that proves the rule. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, most preachers, when they get older, they soften their message. He said, you get harder. <laughs> and uh, I thought, thought about it. I mean, I really I don't like to self-reflect a lot other than <laughs> reflect on my unworthiness and God's greatness. And uh, I, I thought about it a great deal, especially now that I'm even getting older. And I said, Lord, may it please you that I would be stronger the day I, I finish the mission you've given me than the day I started. And the Lord has answered that in abundance. Yeah. And so we have churches all over the place compromising now, even evangelical churches, some Reformed churches. The people who preach the gospel once now, they say, well, you know, you don't want to offend anybody. Offend them. I'd rather offend them here and get them to heaven than not offending them here. And, and, and they curse me in hell yeah. and say, why didn't you tell me the truth? I, I, you know, I needed to hear the gospel. And you didn't tell me. I don't want him to do that. I want him to say, well, uh, you offended me, uh, and I'm here because of my own uh, volition. So yeah. it's very important. Uh, preachers, and you know, have a lot of pastors listening to a radio station. I know because I hear from some of them. And, and pastors, I, I want to implore you in the name of Jesus, do not compromise. Don't be afraid because God is the one who brought you here. God is the one who called you. God is the one who will sustain you. God is the one who's going to provide for you, not your church, not your board, not your congregation. God is the one who's going to so stand strong in the Word of God, proclaiming the Word of God, say, thus says the Lord, and God will protect you. Now, it doesn't mean I'll be rude or arrogant. No, we do speak the truth in love. In fact, I am a, known as a weeping preacher, because there are many times when I'm preaching, I just find myself weeping over the lost people and, and, and hell. And, 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 and so uh, it is out of love that we preach the truth, not out of anger or hate or any of this stuff. No, 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 no. It is because we love them that we want them to come and go to heaven with us. Proverbs 27 talks about that. I know better is open rebuke than hidden love in verse 5. And yeah. verse 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, it, re it reminds me, I don't remember where I heard this, but recently there was someone that I heard said, when you tell someone the truth, you show that you love them. When you tell someone what they want to hear instead of the truth, you show that you love yourself. Exactly. Because you don't oh, want to man, I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> you don't want to be yeah. disliked or unpopular. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I know you. I'm sure you have plenty going on today. We're really glad just to connect again. Uh, folks just tuning in, been privileged to have Dr. Michael Youssef from Leading the Way on the program, ltw.org, to find out more about the ministry. You can catch it weekdays at 5.30 p.m. on WFIL, also 3 a.m. and a Sunday morning program guide available at WFIL.com. The new book that we're giving away this month, because Leading the Way is our ministry of the month for July, Hope for This Present Crisis, The Seven-Step Path to Restoring a World Gone Mad. Just uh, any kind of closing thoughts I know I, and I really do love the, the fact that the epilogue is kind of a reader's digest version of the entire book yeah. uh, a quick read and, and it's a great way that after you've read it to remember all the stuff you've read you can always go back and read the whole thing too exactly it's a really a simple but look I, I work hard at 
oversimplifying. Uh, I remember the first time I was a student pastor when I was in seminary in Sydney, and I was using all these big words. And I remember my boss at the time, the pastor of that church, he looked at me, he said, lose the big words. (laughs) And more, look, think about this, 51 years ago, I have never forgotten that. Mm. And so I write and I preach so that a sixth grader, fifth grader will understand what I'm talking about and a ninth grader can read that book and will get it. And so it's not a complicated book. You read it in a very short period of time, but it will bless you and will encourage you and is going to motivate you to understand whether you are 25 or 75. It doesn't matter. The blessing of God is going to come your way deeply and in ways the world will never understand when you take a stand for the truth. And God is the one whom you need to please, not the world, because ultimately you're going to be with him a whole lot of time than you have going to be in this in this earth. That's right. Can I say a brief prayer for you as we wrap up? Absolutely. Precious Heavenly Father, what a joy and a privilege to connect with my brother, Tim, and and I thank you for his dad and for the the Moss family. I thank you for their faithfulness through the years. Lord, I thank you for the radio station and and Philadelphia and, and how it's reaching out to so many people and so many are listening right now. I pray that you bless them just because they tuned in. Uh, we ask you that you minister to them. Holy Spirit, reach down to them, whether they're in the car, or their home, wherever they may be. And Father, I thank you that you are a faithful God, and you are no man's debtor. And we thank you that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and way beyond what we think and imagine. Hmm. Because of Jesus, in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. And Lord, please give Dr. Youssef strength as he continues to preach with uncompromising truth, the, the truth and be focused and have the energy and joy that he's had all these years. And may he continue on uh, for your glory. Thank you for the, all the work that has been done over the years. We pray it blesses marriage and family and grandchildren as well. Again, for your glory. In the name of Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you. Great to talk with you again. It's my joy. If you ever come to Atlanta, please give me a, sh- a shout. I will do. Have a great rest of your day. God bless Take him. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Michael Youssef from Leading the Way, WFIL's Ministry of the Month for July. Catch up program weekdays at 5.30 p.m., also 3 a.m. and several times over the weekend. Weekday winners pick up Dr. Youssef's latest book, Hope for This Present Darkness, which we talked about during our conversation. And in that book, Dr. Youssef providing a concise seven-step plan to help you be a godly influence in the world today, in your home, community, campus, workplace, and more. There are also weekly winners picking up that daily prize, plus a devotional three-pack featuring I praise you, O God, heal me, O God, and I long for you, O God. Enter to win that right on our homepage at WFIL.com. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. Hey, 
AM 560, WFIL, CC Winans, and Goodness of God on the Tim DeMoss Show. We're handing out tickets to check out CC and Friends in concert Thursday, August 17th at the Dell in Philadelphia. Along for the ride that night, Tasha Cobbs Leonard, Torin Wells, and E. Daniels. Should be an unforgettable evening of music and worship. Get entered away tickets at WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.